I am turning this over to Sue Lichtenfels, who has a creative mind much better than mine, and she will help us bridge that distance of humor to get people's point across. Thanks, Chris. And actually, we're going to be working together to do that. So I am creative, um, but I don't pretend to be a comedian or, you know, um, be a professional at this. I, I just believe that we can accomplish awareness through comedy and humor and satire. And so I just want to share my ideas and um, see where we can go with this. And Marianne Grignan is going to assist me with some reading if I need that. I am. Um, hi. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I'm going to call this comedy with a message. Welcome to the Coam, as in Coam Cafe. There are many options on the menu, but most importantly is our message. We need to select our message and then we can look over the side dishes to find out which one's going to accentuate the message the best. And then, of course, we've got to finish it off with dessert. So let's start by talking about possible messages. Things that we could cover with our awareness efforts, guide dog etiquette, pedestrian safety, employability, spotlighting independence accessible communities, respecting us. There are many options to accentuate our message. Style of comedic expression, the medium of the content, the audience we want to target, our platform for distributing our message. So let's explore each of those choices and and what some of the options are there. The style of comic expression. So there's physical comedy or slapstick. Uh, This is mock violence or um, simulated bodily harm like the Three Stooges. Um, There's stand-up where we can tell jokes or do some storytelling about these crazy interactions that we have with sighted people every now and then. Um, then there's self-deprecating humor. This is like uh, Rodney Dangerfield does um, where he's poking fun at himself. And, you know, I, I think this is possible, but this is a tricky one because, you know, we don't want to be endorsing their views of us. Um, but I think that we could use it to make the point that everybody makes mistakes. Um, Then there's satire. This is my favorite. Being sarcastic, being satirical. Um, I love to write it. I love to um, write scripts for commercials or whatever. So um, this is a fun one. Um, Parody. We see a lot of parody um, if you know of Weird Al Yankovic. He does parody, right, of all the different kinds of songs that he does. Instead of beat it, he did eat it. Um, That's parody. Hyperbolic is marked by extreme exaggeration. Ironic. This is the one that really points out the incongruity of a situation. Then there's epigrams. These are just pithy sayings that can be humorous. Farcical is comedy that usually comes through the improv, um, things that aren't aren't real or they're over-exaggerated. Things that just are totally ridiculous to be true. Too ridiculous to be true. Um, and then there's anecdote, anecdotal, where you're just telling a story. Um, and they can be exaggerated. 
burlesque is the last one I want to mention. And that's, um, you know, like skits, plays, the sketches that SNL does. Those would be considered burlesque. Then we have to think about our options for the medium that we're going to use. Are they going to be photos, cartoons, uh, animated cartoons, or just a cartoon illustration, comic strips, a short video, anime, oh, I said an animated cartoon, um, podcasts, blogs, movie, a series, just memes, or, or um, memes are like pithy sayings or pictures that you share, uh, usually on Facebook. Are they gifts, which are just little short, um, I guess they're like little, like five second video blurbs or video um, cartoon type things. Um, stand up, storytelling. Those are, those are some of the options for the mediums that we could be using. We want to have, you know, as open a mind here today as, um, as we can, because we want to appreciate everyone's ideas. And um, so know that there are no bad ideas. Let's talk about the audience. You got to focus on what audience is it going to be. Is it just going to be the sighted community in general or sighted children? Uh, maybe relatives and family members, employers, is it policymakers? Those folks who are new to vision loss. So the audience is important to think about. And then the platform for distributing the message. There are tons of options. Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, uh, email, website, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Likey. There's just so many platforms out there nowadays um, that we could be using. What would the meal be without dessert? And by dessert, I mean, how do we end our message so that we are engaging the people to take an action or to change? So here are some options we might consider at the end of our message. Give me one second to grab a drink. Tell a friend, share this content, contact your legislator, ask how you can help, offer a hand, not your pity, give me respect, remember my dog is working, say hello, I'm a person too. So if you remember that commercial last night that we shared about the farting. And at the end, there was the message about um, colon cancer. Keep, well, I can't even remember the name of it. Keep farts, keeps. Anyway, the whole message was. I think it was keep farts funny. Keep farts funny, right? Um, and so, you know, keep farts funny. But when there's a serious issue um, that they're not funny anymore, it's time to get help. So that was, that was the message from that one. So, so before we start thinking um, and throwing out some ideas, I wanted to share just a few tips. We're blind, but we need to be thinking in images because the people we're trying to make aware are sighted, they are seeing, and most times with their attention spans, they're not reading. So photos, videos, um, illustrations, cartoons, um, that's what we want to be thinking about um, pictures in our minds and how to convey those. Be careful not to endorse or legitimize their assumptions about us. 
Um, think the absurd and the untraditional. Keep the messages bite-sized because people's attention spans are short. So we want to break them down. Um, blind comedy. I know that among our community, um, many of us like to poke fun at ourselves, um, poke fun at the sighted community, and there are inside jokes. And so what's funny to the blind community may not necessarily be funny or appropriate um, for the sighted community to raise awareness. Um, so, uh, but we may be able to take some of the ideas that we have from our blind community, our blind comedy and humor, and turn them around um, and build on them for the sighted community. So, let's start by having Marianne read for you um, a document from a blog um, that I found, and it's 17. Um, read that title, Marianne. It is Satire, 17 Easy Ways to Make a Blind Person's Day. So I thought by, by reading this, um, I could see a scenario for each of these. You know, in my head, a comedic type of uh, video or an ad or a cartoon or something. So as she's reading down this list, um, try and think about these things in your head and jot down some ideas. And then let's come back and let's share those. So go ahead, Marianne. Okay. One, when you're introducing yourself, use loud, exaggerated speech. Since we're blind, it's safe to assume that we're a little dim, too. Number two, don't speak directly to us. It's always best to talk over our heads like we're not there at all, especially if you are offering a service. For example, what would she like to order? Be sure to ignore, ignore our attempts to answer for ourselves. Number three, grab or otherwise manipulate our bodies whenever, Oops. whenever and wherever you deem necessary. For example, if you intuitively perceive that we're going the wrong way, even if you haven't asked us where that is, just snatch the nearest limb and lead on, McDuff. And you, Number I could totally see that one, right? Oh, the comedy I, Will in that a, one? Will has a great story about that one. All right. Okay. Read on. If you aren't in a position to grab us, you can always shout instructions in the hope that we'll know what you're talking about. If we're looking, if we look baffled, just keep repeating the instructions in an increasingly frantic tone. We'll clue in eventually. Number five, remind us often how grateful we should be to people willing to provide us with accommodations. While it's unlikely that we will ever, ever forget this for more than five minutes at a time, it's a good idea to slam this thought home when we're not expecting it. It builds character. Number six, Stage loud conversations about us while we're in the room because we won't hear. If we hear, it's okay because we won't understand. If we understand, it's okay because we won't care. Number seven, keep all conversation firmly focused on blindness. If we try to interject by discussing our education or interests, just redirect us. We get carried away sometimes trying to be all normal. So it's helpful to keep us on track. Number eight, be sure to describe all other blind people you've ever met in extravagant detail. 
we couldn't be more fascinated by that blind guy who skied and that other blind guy who went to school with with you and that blind girl you met on the train once, the one with the cute puppy, number nine. Make a habit of asking us why we're here if we're on the bus. Ask us why we're out alone. If we're at work, ask us how we got the job. If we're in class, ask us why we're in university. If we seem offended, ignore us. Deep down inside, we really enjoy presumptuous interrogations. Number 10, dispense advice about how we should live our lives. The less you know us, the more valuable your feedback will be. If you need a good starting point, you can begin by analyzing our mobility tool of choice, cane or dog, emphatically demanding that we switch. We love that. 11. Involve yourself in our love lives, specifying exactly the type of person we should we should date and why. If you think we should date a sighted person because they'll be able to take care of us, we'll want to hear all about it. If you think we should date a blind person because we should stick to our own kind, we'll be all ears. Number 12, give us things, money, coupons, whatever, because you pity us and want to make our day better. Don't be phased by any apparent expression of confusion. Ooh, that's just my gratitude face. Number 13, stop us on the street and thank whomever we're with for helping care for us. So kind. It's not as though we have real friends who genuinely enjoy our company. No, if we're out with a sighted person... They are fulfilling a purely charitable role. They will appreciate your praise and we will feel extra, extra grateful. I have a story about that. Uh, Number 14, place your hands on us in any public place and pray. If we gently explain that we don't want to be prayed for, Rest assured that it's just the secular cynicism doing the talking. When our sight is miraculously (laughs) restored, you'll be the first to know. 15. Make as many potentially dangerous practical jokes as you can think of. A few good ideas include warning us of Imaginary obstacles. Watch out for that tree. Uh, Just kidding. Concealing our possessions and encouraging us to find you while you run gleefully around us in circles. These were a sample of the primary school, and I treasure many pleasant memories from that era. Do me a favor and bring back the nostalgia. Refer to us. That blind person, even after you know our names. Blindness is so integral to our identities that our names are really just decorative, so there's no need to remember or use them. If we fail to answer to, hey, blind girl, guy, just keep trying. We'll learn to love it. And the last one, 17, assume that our default status is help. If we reassure you that we're okay, thanks, don't don't fall for it. (laughs) Insisting upon rescuing us every time we cross paths places us into a position of dependence, which is exactly where we 
be long. Thank you, Maryam. Sure thing. So I, I want to make sure that I give credit to the person who wrote this. This came from whereisyourdog.com. And that is a blog by Megan H. Howell. And this was one of her uh, entries on her blog. So thank you, Megan. I hope you don't mind that we shared this. Um, they're very funny. Very funny. Um, so I'd like to to get some feedback from folks um, about their thoughts as Marion was reading those. Could you picture any of those in particular in your head that maybe we could uh, put together some type of a, a comedic message to bring about awareness? Hey, Sue? That's Will? It's Will. Yeah, I was thinking, I was picturing, picture this. You have a blind woman like Mary Ann and her dog, Percy, and they're leaving a restaurant. And we focus on Percy, and he's leading her out, and we now hear his thoughts. As Mary Ann says, outside, and her voice, somehow the murmur of the restaurant recedes, and all he hears is her, her voice, right, her, the handler's voice. And then we go into his head, and he's like, outside, 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 working, working, working. <laughs> And he looks at a French fry and she goes, leave it. And he's like, oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. You know, working, working, working outside, outside, you know, and you follow him out and you can even use his POV, you know, and then he stops. But Marianne says, go. And then he's like, what? what? There's something right here, you know. And then you follow him outside and then he's looking around. There's another dog acting stupid. And he goes, oh, look at that clown. You know, things like that. And then somebody comes looming over him like, oh, what a beautiful doggy. And he's like, no, 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 I'm working. I'm working. I'm working. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Mommy, you know, protect me here. <laughs> you know, and just to, you know, get an idea. You know, if you can identify all the things that you want to convey about uh, a handler and their guide dog and use the, the, the thoughts of the dog to convey them. I, I think it's good, pretty that's funny. That's a good thought. I love it. I love it. And how, so let's think about like, okay, so you're thinking video? Yeah, you take a video of, okay. it's very, it's a simple video, really, because you're just showing a woman and her dog or a man and his dog leaving a restaurant. But the, the, the funny part is the, the constant chatter in the dog's head and his reactions to things and it conveys that, hey, this dog is working. Don't touch me. Right. I, have a, I have an important job. I'm protecting my handler. I'm guiding my handler. Don't don't distract me. Don't bother me. You could uh, even um, go so far as if you could make it long enough for the person because we uh, you always get, oh, your dog knows where to – it's amazing how your dog knows where to go. And you could have your dog hearing that saying, oh, how stupid. I wouldn't know where to go unless she told me or something like that to, because that's a huge misconception. Mm-hmm. And I hate answering that question. Yeah, so you know, it's that's the framework, and then you could brainstorm how many uh, mini messages you want to convey, and then uh, you know, create the the scenario, and then uh, reinforce it with the dog's stream of consciousness um, thought bubble. Yeah, right. You are a good dog voice. <laughs> He's the best. You don't even know. And he, <laughs> this is Mike Gravit. Um, you can say something like, I'm a union dog. I only do what I'm told. No more, no less. <laughs> <laughs> this is Debbie Hazelton. Um, there was a lady that there was a school where they were told to work in teams of two, and they went out on routes, and they were told, if you get lost, ask a pedestrian for help. And so this one person did get lost, and the other one was just there kind of witnessing and waiting to see what happened. And so this woman asked somebody, I don't know, maybe it was the guy, asked somebody, can you tell me how to get to the intersection of, you know, like 4th and 3rd or whatever it was? And the woman said, oh, yes. And she bent down and proceeded to tell the dog. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. <laughs> I'm not that surprised. I'm trying to figure out fourth and third or even intersect. They would be parallel. Well, so, not no, necessarily. Okay. Could one I could have been a street? I know, I know, I know. That's that's. I'm not that surprised. 
Um, my this is Rose. My personal favorite, which would be really funny to incorporate, although it only happened to me once, but was when someone popped up behind me when I was walking to my internship in college in downtown Philly, saying, "You know, the whole conversation." Short version is: first of all, it started as you're not dogs not doing the right thing. Okay, I'm sorry. What do you? Well, I I followed you because yesterday, and I was like, wait a second, you followed me first of all. Red flag, and then they were like, but yesterday she he brought you there and today he's not reading the signs right and i was just like <laughs> what and he's like she, he's not looking up at the street sign and i just like i normally like try to take the time and i just couldn't handle it and i was like oh yeah you're right i know i was and she's like yeah because i'm like yeah he reads signs i speak dog and then i was like ruff, ruff. and then i turned around and was like jordan left and all the people walking out from the train station behind me just were like cracking up and i was like i just I couldn't not at that point, but something obscure that you think would not be asked, but actually gets asked would be fantastic. You have to be ready for it all. That's what's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, speaking of directions, you know, one, this is a true story. Uh, For those of you that are not in Pittsburgh, when, when you're in downtown Pittsburgh, on one side of Liberty Avenue, you have streets. On the other side, you have avenues. So you have a 6th Street, 6th Avenue. They're totally different streets. Um, so it's real confusing until you get the hang of it. But this, I was walking down 7th Street, and there was this woman trying, she was asking somebody how to get to a address on 7th Avenue. And the two of them were trying to figure it out together. And I said, I said, wait a minute, what's the address again you're trying to get to? And I could tell there was like this hesitation. Like, why is this blind person, uh, what's he going to do? You know, but she gave me the address. And I said, well, that's why you can't find the number, because that is on a totally different street. You have to cross over Liberty Avenue, go up a couple blocks, go to 7th Avenue, go up a couple blocks, and there you are. Because I happened to know wherever it was. And, and and then they just kind of kept standing there trying to figure it out, refused to believe what I was telling them. And I finally just walked away. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. I guess they'll eventually figure it out. But um, the I'm just trying to follow protocol here. Are we still kind of going off of Will's idea, or this, is this kind of open up to any and all ideas? Um, we're we're well. Let's let's see if people have. Other ideas off of Will's. Let's give it another minute or two. Okay. Um, like, I could totally see this as an animated thing, um, which would definitely be more attractive to kids. Right? Or what about even a, a, a children's book? It'd make a good children's book. I think it would be attractive to just anyone. I mean, everybody loves a, a everybody loves a dog. Everybody loves a cartoon. You know, adults included. But I think it'd be a great children's book. There's some very good social media accounts not related to guide dogs, but like the guy, just for like if something like this would go on that we could draw ideas from. Thoughts of Dog is a Twitter account, and he also runs. We rate dogs, and I think there's another one, but he's, like, in his 20s, and that's his entire career. He's, like, a social media guy, but, he like, the thoughts of dogs is just, you know, random things from, like, a dog's perspective, and they're mm-hmm. very entertaining. So, that's the point. Maybe instead of a book, a social media post, not too dissimilar to the blog entry you read, because people read those things and love them and you add a photo or two to the text and people share and then those people share, you know, and then that's a good way to, to spread it out. And it's cost effective too. It, w- it wouldn't cost anything. I like that idea, but I also like the idea of the bubble with the words, the dog's thoughts inside. I think that's really um, cool. Yeah. I think, I, I we think would... you reach different audiences be- depending on the medium that you use. Right. 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 Yeah. Can't you do that bubble type thing in in a Facebook post? I don't know anything with, about Facebook. How about with that? the image? Because you can, when you share, you not only share text, you can share images too, like memes even. Yeah. yeah. But if you make it a video, then you can it can go viral too. It has that re- self replicating factor. 
Yeah, I believe yeah. right. I, I think Facebook can handle sharing any type of. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, as uh, Sue said, I think it medium depends on the demographic. The audience. Yeah, I was just sort of going off of like getting ideas if you're going to be starting to try to get into like thoughts of, you know, just for like inspiration of. Yeah, I'm, I'm writing all these down. But memes are like, oh, yeah, you know, memes I can't, are the thing. Yeah, what we can't appreciate them, but people what love is, those things. What so. is a meme? Yeah. It's, it's usually a couple of words, like a phrase, like, well, can you think of one, Michael? Um, can you think of one? I can Bob, think of one after here. this call because I can never think of them when I need to, um, but, but no. So, <laughs> did you have a picture of a um, guide dog and a thought bubble saying, "I'm working, don't touch me"? Yeah, that could be a meme. I I think the memes can be pictures, or they can be pictures with text in them. Um, they're just very, very maybe five, six words, if that. I'd like to talk about tailoring the message, um, which is where I have a lot of difficulty. In the pieces that I've developed, um, and and they're audio uh, audio bits that are sixty to two minutes long. Um, I can do the comedy that most blind people would get the inside message. Uh, What I find very difficult is to come up with material that bridges the gap that, that goes beyond the blind audience and reaches out and leaves an impression with the sighted. That's what I find very difficult to do. And I've left a lot of them, have developed uh, things like I, I wanted to make a point about how people feel sighted people feel about guide dogs. So I came up with a, a piece of uh, guide snakes for the blind. But a- as I worked on it, what I found was I'm sure the only people who are going to get this are blind people. And so it's really, really difficult to come up with a message. Also, the other thing is that we live in a time where people take things so literally. And, and to work beyond that, you know, you don't, uh, you always feel like you have to have a sign up that says, hey, this is a joke. You're supposed to laugh. And that is difficult to do when you're talking about disability. So Tony, let's, let's hear your bright light for the blind piece, because I, I have an idea for that. Um, Debbie, can you, can you play that one? In Leviticus 19.14, the scriptures warn us not to put a stumbling block in front of the blind. At the Bright Light for the Blind, we live to serve the needs of those who would otherwise stumble. In our clean and modern facilities, we attend to the personal needs of these poor unfortunates. Here, the blind are bathed daily, dressed, and led by the hand into our sunny gardens, where they might contentedly sit, rock to and fro, free to daydream the mysterious dreams of the blind. The staff of the Bright Light for the Blind are intimately acquainted with the needs of those whose fate it is to dwell in eternal darkness. Oh, it's so dark. As an example, each newly admitted member of our blind family is presented with their very own transistor radio. And... In our loving home, dietary considerations are of the utmost importance, for it is well known that the blind love and live to eat. As you travel through the busy days of your full life, stop to give a thought to those who might stumble in perpetual darkness. For there, but for the grace of God, go you. Give generously to the bright light for the blind.
go ahead quickly, Michael. Okay. Now I was just going to agree with Tony's point. Uh, oftentimes a lot of these things only the blind community gets, you know, um, I had a friend of ours recently was just telling us he was amazed or has learned to become amazed at how Jonna and me do things and live independently after getting to know us better. You know, but what I never actually asked him is what the hell did you think of blind people before you knew us? And maybe that's more of a question we should ask people that we know who we may be the first blind people they've known what was their before and after perceptions and the, the before take that information and kind of hone in on that to make those points, what our message would be. That's a good thought. It's a really great idea. Um, I, I certainly would say that there, there need to be, you know, focus groups or something at once you have some ideas together to really test them um, with the sighted community to, to do exactly what you're saying. Um, what were their opinions? Does this reach them in a way that makes a difference? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we definitely need to involve the, some of the sighted community. In, in and some process. people that would be very, very honest with what yeah. their perceptions were. You know, it, it, it's hard to admit for anybody to admit that they uh, had misconceptions about any, you know, anyone or anything. So that, it, it, it may be hard to have an honest discussion, but that's what we should shoot for. And sometimes it's the message that we send out too. I just encountered, and it's been—I haven't even talked to Will about it because it's—but it's been bothering me. We got on the bus on Tuesday, and my friend Debbie, we had had lunch together on Thursday before her and my the three of us all, with the different varying varying levels of vision loss. And she said she went back into that restaurant a couple of days later, and everybody said, "Oh, we were so amazed by you. We didn't have any idea you were blind, and we were so amazed by you." And she was happy about that. And for me, it was like, "Oh God, you know what? What are her? So what are her expectations of herself too?" So sometimes it's people with new vision loss. Two, the message that they're putting out is something that 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 needs to be addressed um, from from our perspective. I guess. I guess us as mentors, possibly, maybe we need to be the people putting out that message. Well, and you see, desperate. I think that that it's those people that are new to vision loss that could possibly be really helpful in this process. You know, because they had vision. You know, and what was their their idea about people who were blind before they lost their vision? Yeah. So, so you know, getting mm. them involved in this process, uh, but Sue, I think, could be helpful. Sue, but I think in this case, and I've encountered elsewhere, the people who are losing their vision are desperately, desperately wanting to pass Not as to normal, and they see their their losing vision as dumping them into the abnormal. And yeah, so when she is told how... I don't, I don't right. think you can make that blanket statement, Will. No, I said some people I've met. Well, it depends on how far into their vision loss journey they are. They are, yeah. I mean, exactly. it, and, and, and once somebody gets over the magic line where they stop thinking of all of, all of the rest of us on our side of the, of the Great Divide as weird... Um, they they can help, but in the very beginning, they may not be able to accept to hear what they say about it. Mm -hmm. You know, you just listen to them. Like, I mean, I, I still get can't get over the fact that when I said to my mother, oh, mom, all the time you helped me when I was a kid, and now I can help you because you're losing your vision. And she went, I don't think that'll happen. <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> so I will I, I want to go back, back to to Tony's, you know, issue. Tony, you have issues. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. And you're so, one of them. So. You know, I probably am. So when I when I listen to Tony's commercial with the the whole idea of, is there a way that we can turn this 
into an awareness message. So I listened to the first half and, you know, they give the people the blind and they lead them to their rocking chairs. And, and then in my mind, I hear this screeching halt and, and it splits to blind people who are actually out there doing things, whether they're downhill skiing or they're running a marathon or they're doing something with their kids on the playground or they're, um, whatever, but it's kind of like, here's your vision of us. Here's the reality. Um, and, and try and juxtapose them that way. So you'd, you'd, you'd stop in the middle abruptly and and kind of a, really, is this what you think about us? Is this what you imagine? And then go on and have the images of people Every day, productive, and living normal lives. Right. right. Yes, excuse me. Could I? Hey, Ansel. Oh. Yes. Could I please say something? I'm sorry. Just I thought everyone. Oh, okay. Just please tell me this quickly. I'm blind, and I have four brothers. One of them passed away now. Many people who meet me, even my brothers themselves, they tell me how wonderful they are. And everybody tells me how wonderful my brothers are. Now, and I had a, and one of my brothers came over to help me with something. I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is a little bothersome to me, although I could try the last day. He said, you know, uh, he was helping me with something in my apartment. I was getting a new cell phone and some other things. He said, you know, you're lucky that you have brothers that to help you, you know, wonderful brothers. So, and I did say to him, I said, well, you, you don't think I'm a good sister? You know, how do I answer that? You see, it does make, and throughout my lifetime, too, my parents, and I'm not trying to be a martyr, honestly. I don't, you know, I don't want to be, I love them all and everything, but people have always, you know, told them how wonderful, have you ever heard of this? Have you ever heard of this in families? What can you do to say to somebody? I said to my brother, I said, you don't think I'm a good sister? Then he shut up. He said, well, you know what? Do other people have families that, um, excuse me, do, you know, that help them with things? I I know you don't have that much time. Thanks, Ethel. I I think a lot of people are in the same boat as you, right? Family, family relationships are hard. Does anybody have any ideas for for dealing with, you know, that whole kind of family related issues? I might come right out and say they're lucky to have me too. <laughs> well, I mean, you could just be how, honest how and say, "How do you think it feels <laughs> to me when you when you say that to me or ask me that question? How, how do you think I perceive that? You know, maybe get them to put themselves in." Your position. I mean, it, I'm sorry. It, it sounds like to me that it's a thought that they're expressing to each other as much as they are to you. How do we try and deal with that issue? Maybe we're all ha- we're all thankful to have each other. Oh, in comedy. Hmm. In comedy, that is the purpose of this session. Yeah. Yeah. So when it, it's being in those positions where people say something that's so off the mark, to us it's absurd. And now how do you react to it? Mm-hmm. I had a, uh, let's see. I had a priest who uh, I was hanging around the church after a funeral, and uh, the priest said, Oh, I see you. You have a wife and three children. Three children. How did you do that? <laughs> oh gosh! My mind went to. Oh, I'd love to tell you how to do it. It's something you haven't practiced before, you know. And and, and just oh lines. Uh, but then again, you'd have to have a number of really exaggerated events like that Mm -hmm. and then counter them with either um, a group of blind people. Then uh, the the, the scene goes to a group of blind people and, and you're quickly telling the story and they're all laughing and, and that sort of thing. Or as, as Sue said, you stop it in the middle 
and then deliver the the message. Um, and it's it it really it, it's a struggle I have breaking through that. Uh, or you, maybe you get uh, someone just like just clip after clip after clip after clip, or someone yeah, just chatter. Saying, about thank you, thank you, thank you. You know what I mean? Like they're thanking everyone. Right. But, you know, it's just right. kind of that speed it up thing where they're thinking, thanking everyone for everything. Sort of like, like oh, an so Academy Awards of- speech. <laughs> well, the, 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 the Giving Help Academy Awards. Yeah. Uh-oh. And then in my head, I was seeing a, 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 a social, you know, people, blind people drinking, raising their glasses and telling these ridiculous stories to one another. You know what somebody said to me the other day? That would might be another um, way to 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 emphasize um, to sighted people how ridiculous they can when, be. When when you were talking about having your dog as part of of a sketch, I was thinking I would love to have another dog similar to like McGruff, the crime dog, saying to your dog, "It's a crime. She gave you the wrong direction." <laughs> Yeah, that'd be a parody, yeah. You know, but going going back to this recent one, you know, when a, a blind person actually being the one to provide the help to a sighted person, you know, what, what if you had a, a a young blind lady walk into a room and pick her two hundred and fifty pound husband up and put him on like a porto potty because he can't move, and uh go from there. I, I haven't quite figured out the rest, but you know, you're talking about th- things that are, right. are, are, are kind of out of the ordinary, but I'm sure that could be a starting point for, for something humorous. If you want to just show how the tables could be turned. It kind of reminds me of if the Flintstones have been on now on reruns on me TV <laughs> and to think that you have Bam Bam walking around carrying his father. So, but I wanted to, I wanted to get back to, to one common thought when, you know, when agencies have families or relatives over, I think they have to create an environment that they can say whatever they, they want. Because if, if they don't say if they don't say what's really on their mind and just convey platitudes, you never, you don't get anywhere. So. This is Greg from, oh, this is, can I, can I speak? I don't know. My hand was raised. This is, this is Greg from Wisconsin. So I have another situation and I, uh, by the way, do stand up comedy and I also create uh, some content on TikTok and uh, Facebook and things like that. But um, so my uh, situation is people always ask me, well, if you're blind, why don't you have a dog? You know, and the truth answer is, well, I'm afraid of dogs, but I wonder how I can possibly make that into like I are, you know, either part of my uh, routine. And by the way, you've given some great advice uh, so far today. I love the 17 things. I, I hope that those can be posted somewhere so that I can, uh, I can uh, look at them. And I know you referenced the website, so uh, the blog, so I'll have to go there. But, um, but like, I, I just am not interested in having a dog. In fact, I'm afraid of dogs. And I'm wondering if there's some comedic way that the panel has for, um, talking about that, that, uh, dog issue. Um, a comedic way? Yeah. I mean, well, it's a, per- like, it's a personal choice, you know, so you could say something like, you know, I, I, I have this cane instead of a dog, the same reason. You actually bought those ugly clothes instead of some good ones, or so, I don't know, something really? like that. Just personal what, choices. What if you, but no, no dog has expressed their interest in having me. <laughs> what if you gave you gave these superhero abilities to your cane? Like you could uh, use it as a javelin and, and <laughs> this is, this or is other my, things. My crazy brain, yeah. like you know what I mean, yeah. and bound tall buildings as a pole vaulter. You could. I don't know. And I, I just wonder like how I could create that, that as content, you know, 
to yeah. like, like, uh, yeah, well, that's the real issue, right? Is that we need, and, and let me, let me use that to, to kind of wrap up this session because, uh, we're running out of time, but thank you for your comments, Greg. Um, so while we're, we're trying to get the society community to change their minds about us, perhaps we can also think about changing our minds about using comedy to overcome the hurdle of awareness. And so part of that, I think, is learning how to work together better. Misperceptions are common across Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. We've got more than seven or nearly 70 affiliates just in ACB. So rather than each of our affiliates working separately to tackle these kinds of issues, why are we not working together? I think that we can and I think that we should, especially when it comes to, um, you know, bringing together a pool of people to share ideas, share their abilities, whether they're they have video capability or audio creation or animation. And people have all kinds of skills that we could be putting toward a joint awareness project. And then there are funds. Of course, it takes money to do all of this, to create videos and animations and, and content. Um, can we come together? Can we pool our resources and pool our social networks? to change people's perceptions through comedy. I think we can, and I invite whoever's interested in helping me do that to contact me. My information is, my name is Sue Lickenfels, and my email is superlative73 at gmail.com. It's S-U-E-P-E-R-L-A-T-I-V-E. 73 at gmail.com or I can be reached on my cell phone at 412-480-9696. I thank everyone for their ideas, their conversation, and um, let's keep this, this conversation going.